Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. I hope you're wearing your championship shirt today. I hope you are. And if you don't have one, there are plenty to be had out there, and if there's not exactly what you want or they don't have your size, there's more on the way. I have been by just about every Starkville vendor in town, and I can tell you they are overwhelmed with your support. They're very grateful for your support. I had uh, one longtime retailer tell me they have never seen anything like this in their history. And, you know, it's an unprecedented time in Mississippi State history, and everybody's so incredibly proud they want to rep the brand, and rightfully so. I know many of you have uh, reached out to the Starville Daily News to buy their uh, you know, printing of their front page, and uh, please be patient with those folks. They're seeing some unprecedented situations as well, and they tell me they're going to fill every order. So if you hadn't heard from them, don't panic a little bit, okay? And um, they are trying to update people on social media. I know some people are paying with cards. I think that expedites the process a little bit. I know I would assume most people would want to do that, but um, go ahead and handle that. But uh, give our folks just a little bit of patience, if you will, because uh, again, you know, the students aren't here. Most of them aren't, and a lot of these people are kind of operating, you know, with staff. It's a little bit, um, you know, limited, I guess you could say. And so they're doing the best they can. But uh, they welcome your business. They're very grateful for it. COVID was a tough year on our Starbucks retailers, and we did lose a few. But uh, there's a big rebound happening right now. And so this is grand. And everybody that I talk to is like, oh, my gosh, it's been so crazy today. And I go back the next day, oh, my gosh, it's been so crazy today. So keep the crazy going, guys. And rep that brand, man. It's like we have earned this. Nobody deserves this more than us. I mean, really. And there has been such incredible exuberance around town and really throughout the fan base. I can tell you Starkville is an electric place right now, and uh, most of the students aren't even here. I got some friends of mine that have uh, condos here in town, and they usually Airbnb it up there, and so they're getting all these incredible bookings, and nobody seems to understand why. And I think a lot of it is just people want to be in Starkville. We want you here, too. I can promise you our uh, our restaurants and uh, retailers want you here as well. It has been incredible. And uh, one of the things, too, I, I really believe – that we are seeing a change in the psyche of the Bulldog fan base. And hopefully that lasts forever. You know, because for generations we've had this, you know, always the bridesmaid, never the bride type mentality. We've finally broken through. I think people now realize, you know what? I've kind of been rewarded for my loyalty all these years. I can kind of walk around and puff my chest out a little bit because my Bulldogs are national champions. I think there's some people, too, that just kind of felt like, you know, we're never going to get there. We're always going to be a great program, but we're never going to be the program. Well, today we are. We are the program. And uh, we've got about eight days under our belts now as uh, defending national champions. I'm going to talk a little bit about the roster coming up and how the draft may impact our current roster as well as our recruiting class coming in. A couple people have reached out and said, hey, Steve, could you kind of touch on the draft for us? 
So I've done some research and we're going to talk about that today. But listen, we're going to be really good next year. You know, we return a solid nucleus of players and you know, everywhere I go, it's like people say, well, you know, well, Steve, you know, we're going to miss T.A. and Rowdy. We absolutely are. We're going to miss their leadership. We're going to miss their experience at the top of the, of the lineup. And so, yeah, you don't just wake up one day and get better because you lose two veteran guys like that that never finished a single college baseball season in their career anywhere other than Omaha. I mean, think about that for a second. It's unprecedented in our program's history, and third time proved to be the charm. We would have gone in 2020 as well. Now, if they had completed the season, we probably don't get Rowdy and T.A. back. But there was a plan, and, how, and whatever happens, happens. We dealt with it. But it's incredible to think about that. And so we always talk about, you know, thunder and lightning and that sort of stuff. And, oh, man, we got to give them a nickname. Man, you know, I don't know. I don't know what you call them. But I know this. I know that they have come in here and done everything that was expected of them and then some. And they have led your Bulldogs to a national championship. And because they have, I think there are a lot of people out there that all of a sudden, and, and some, many of them self-loathing Mississippi State fans, have kind of said, you know what, I think this is going to be okay. I think it's going to be okay. People are getting along better. I mean, there's so much more harmony, like in the Facebook groups and on social media. And yeah, there's a few dissenting opinions, mainly from rival fans, but there's not nearly as many as I expected. Of course, in the beginning, you know, people tried to, you know, I guess in some ways kind of call into question the quality of our championship. How stupid is that? We didn't have anything to do with NC State's part of the bracket. I'm going to tell you this now. We'd have beat them, too, because we were the best team in the tournament. It was our year. I think you could have rolled the Yankees out there. We could have beat them. That may be a little bit over the top, but you, you get my point. It was our time, and we took full advantage. And I think there have been so many times that we've kind of talked ourselves into it. You know what I'm saying? It's like you say, well, you know, if this guy does this and this guy does that, and you know, because you're so acutely aware of the, the deficiencies in your own team because that's a team you follow the closest. You, you don't realize that everybody else has a lot of the same issues. But this was a very special team. It had great leadership, and it was just the right blend of veterans and talented newcomers. And, you know, it took a while to settle the lineup, but we did. And down the stretch, it was basically the same lineup. You know, if Brad Cummins doesn't get hurt, you know, Braylon Skinner's not starting and left. And I'd read an article earlier today about Braylon Skinner. I thought the quotes from the family were great. I didn't think the article was very well written. But there was a comment in there, too, about Braylon Skinner hadn't started. Braylon Skinner started 21 games, including the national championship game. And, and had Braylon Skinner not broken a bone in his hand about two weeks before the season, he'd have been your opening day left fielder. So it's not like he's some scrub that just kind of happened to get lucky. Braylon Skinner is a real ball player. Now, he needs some ABs. The good thing is he's only a sophomore. He's a senior in the classroom and a sophomore on the field, which is a remarkable. You know, so he, he will have an opportunity to come back and play. And I'm excited about him. But he's got to get some ABs. He does. And, and he listen, it took him a while to get completely healthy. And we started that LSU series, and he hits that solo bomb, excuse me, a two-run bomb there in the fifth inning to put us up 2-0 on LSU against Hill. And everybody's like, oh, now I see why Lamontis was so high on this guy. But he's been banged up a lot this year, and he'll get better. He will. But, again, I think it's one of those things where you begin to look at, you know, he probably was not 100% for most of the year. You know, when there's a lot of guys that says, well, you know, it's a pain tolerance issue. Yeah, when that ball meets the bat, it smarts a little bit, and you, you think about that the next time up. Yeah, I've heard it said that you can't remember pain, 
Uh, I don't know about physical pain. I remember a lot of emotional pain for sure. But I know this. I know that if I swung a bat and uh, I know how I'm going to feel afterwards, I'm, that's going to be in my mind the next time I go up there. But uh, I'm a Braywin Scanner fan, and as I submitted to you guys on this show a while back, is that that's the biggest stolen base in Mississippi State history, without a doubt. And it's and what's interesting, too, that I, and I kind of laugh about this. People say, well, you know, he didn't get a great jump, and he slid too early. You know what, guys? He was safe. He was safe. And they say, well, you know, to throw one hot guy, he was he was safe. You know, to throw his offline, he was safe. Well, you know, I think the, the catcher was surprised. Then that's on him because he was safe. So let's not pick it apart because that's the better part of stealing bases, right? You know, sometimes you force the action and force the defense into a mistake. You force them into an errant throw. I mean, everybody in the stadium knew that he was going to go, just didn't know what pitch he was going to go on. And so I don't care that he didn't get a good jump. I don't care that he slid too soon. And, of course, it looks more dramatic because ESPN slows it down. I don't care that the throw was a little bit high. I don't care that the throw was a little bit offline. I don't care that Silas Ardwan had been an absolute dog, and it looked like he was surprised that he went. And so if he was, that's on him. But no matter how you slice it, he's safe. I don't understand why we feel the need to explain that away. He's safe. Then Tanner Leggett, a guy that's a 215 hitter, comes up there and rips a, le- a line drive in the left center. That ball's probably still rolling. And Skinner scores easily. He might have even be able to score from first. They bring in the end the outfield. You know, next thing you know, Tanner rips one in between them. And you know what? He was safe. He was. I don't know why we feel the need to have to explain our success away. I don't care what other people think. You shouldn't either. Well, you know, my old Miss buddy. Well, they don't have an old Miss buddy. Yeah, simple as that. If somebody's out there, uh, you know, casting aspersions at your passions, then maybe they're not your buddy after all. Well, Steve, you don't understand. Well, I don't, maybe you don't understand. My life is free of all that nonsense. I get enough of that craziness on Twitter. I don't need to have my friends talking to me, talking trash to me too. So I hang out with Bulldogs as best I can. So... I want to move forward with that, but we've got a lot of draft stuff to talk about. Braylon Skinner, we fully expect him to be back next year. and expect him to be back to 100% health. A guy from a Mississippi State family. You know, and, and I'll tell you this, guys, too, for those of you if you hadn't been around him, a, a great young man. I mean, really, not just because he plays ball, but, you know, he, he's always smiling. He always seems to be so happy-go-lucky. I've been around him a few times and uh, really just really impressed with him. I mean, really, really impressed. You can tell – he is a reflection of his parents. You, you can absolutely tell it. And uh, I think he is going to be a big part of things for us next year. And, uh, you know, listen, hope he has a good summer and comes back 100% healthy in the fall and getting ready to go. That's the thing about having this elongated baseball season. People forget we're going to be reporting for fall classes here in about five weeks. Five weeks. And then we get into fall practice and then we – Next thing you know, man, it's, uh, you know, it's time to start rolling again. It'll be Valentine's Day again before we know it. Eager to find out about the schedule. Eager to find out about the transfer portal, you know, who we're going to get. And, you know, some of our guys are moving on. We we'll wish them the best. Yeah, that's another thing, too. It's like as soon as we win, everybody's like, oh, why is everybody going in the transfer portal? Guys, you only get a short time in life to play ball. 
just that's the reality of it. I mean, does Josh Hatcher and I love Josh Hatcher. I do. Another great young man that has stuck with us when a lot of people probably would have transferred. Josh had his opportunity, and next thing you know, he's uh, you know, he loses his job, but he sticks with it. He doesn't pout. He gets out there and does his job as a defensive replacement. Made some big plays for us this year, late in ball games. I don't know that we win that the uh, third game against Ole Miss without him. I mean, honestly, just I mean, really a great effort. But you know, Josh Hatcher's got to get on the field somewhere, and it's not going to be here. And so. It doesn't mean that we don't appreciate everything Josh Hatcher's done for us. Matter of fact, we wish Josh Hatcher well somewhere else. You know, we need that scholarship spot for maybe a younger guy that's going to come in and develop. I mean, you know, Josh, again, has made some contributions to Mississippi State baseball, but, you know, he's looking long-term, probably thinking, you know what, if I have any chance of ever making an MLB or minor league roster, I got to get on the field somewhere, whether it be Kennesaw State or Georgia Southern or wherever. He's got to get on the field somewhere. You know, Eric Sarantola went in the portal too, but we expect Eric to get drafted. You can say, well, Steve, really? no, yes. When you've got a 3,300 spin rate, you're going to get drafted. The average the average spin rate on the MLB fastball is 2,300. A good one is 2,600. He's still in 3,300. you kidding me? The scouts are salivating over him because everybody thinks, you know what, we just need to get in with our guys, let him develop. And it could be another Brandon Woodruff situation where Sarantola gets in the minors and really begins to develop. Eric's biggest problems are not his stuff. It's not his arm strength. It's not his size. It's all just kind of mental with him. And I, and I think, you know, with the right coaching situation, you know, where they can be patient with him, you know, we're sitting here trying to go, you know, compete and go win a, a top eight national seat. So, we, you know, we had to kind of make some decisions that – were best for the team, but may not have been best for Eric Sarantola. You know, when he gets in rookie ball or class A ball, you know, the whole purpose of that, I'm sure they'd love to win a championship, but it's about developing players. And so they're going to be able to afford to be a little more patient with him and try him out there and get him some experience. And so, I, again, I wish him the best. But he goes in a transfer portal because, you know, if he doesn't get his draft positioning the way that he wants it to be, he'll have an opportunity to go somewhere else. And again, I wish him the best. But any of those guys that leave, I, there's no there's no ill will on our behalf. I, I'm grateful for everybody that has ever worn the M over S, whether they were stars or not. I'm, I appreciate their contributions. And if they feel they need to leave here to go play somewhere else, then, you know, God bless them. And listen, they know the situation a lot better than we do. They're in practice every day. They see the guys that are ahead of them. I mean, let's be honest. If you're a shortstop, Right now, and you see, well, you know, Lane Forsyth started as a freshman. He, he had some struggles to play, but defensively he was lights out. And you know that Gotro is going to get him going next year. And it was at one point this year he was sitting there with 300. And then people kind of figured out that he was kind of giving up on that two-seamer away. But, you know, th- those things are correctable. But, you know, if you're a shortstop and you're thinking, I'm going to beat Forsyth out, nah, probably not. It's probably not going to happen. You're going to sit around and, and, and hope for an injury. I mean, no, it's not. That's not how it works. And so, you know, you look around and you begin to think, okay, you only get three to four years to play college baseball. And I'm not going to spend it shagging fly balls for the starters. I'm going to go somewhere else. And it doesn't mean that I'm happy here. It doesn't mean that everybody's mistreated me. It just means that I got to get on the field somewhere. You know, when my own son got an opportunity to play college baseball, you know, he he, you know, southeastern Louisiana recruited him a little bit, and he really wanted to go over there because it was reasonably close to home, and he liked the coaching staff over there. And 
you know, he's thinking, you know, if I don't get the scholarship, I'll just walk on. I'm confident enough in my abilities I can make the team. I just told him, I said, you know what, you got to go where you wanted. I don't want you out there shagging fly balls for, for everybody else. Yeah, you'll be in the uniform. Maybe. You might be in the stands. But you got to find somewhere you can play. Thankfully, he did for three years. Not everybody's that fortunate. But I certainly wouldn't want to be a bench warmer. I would rather be a starter on a mediocre team than be a bench warmer on a great team. And maybe that's just me. Maybe you feel differently. But I, I want to be up there and participate because at some point you got to start paying a mortgage raising kids. You need to go make you some memories. All right, let's thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I've been there a couple times since I got back from Omaha, and uh, and it's been great. Absolutely great. On my birthday, I had the Pimentology add bacon. I don't know how you get it any other way. I think you're almost shortchanging yourself if you don't add the bacon. It's really good, but it's great with the bacon. I mean, just on its own, it's good. You add the bacon, it takes it to another level. Go check it out. Trust me, even if you don't like pimento and cheese sandwiches, because I loathe them. I hate them. I don't want to be around them. Kind of like Ole Miss, the Ole Miss fan of sandwiches. It's the pimento and cheese. So... I love the Pimentology burger, though, for some reason. It just works for me. You know, I guess it's kind of like, uh, you know, that, that old Miss in-law that, uh, that understands that Mississippi State's won a national championship, but they're, they're supposed to be quiet. Go check it out today. And I was in, uh, see, I guess it was in there Monday with Nemeth and uh, had the BLT salad. It's so substantial, I, I just can't finish it. I mean, I, I you, know, you know, I'm 6'2", 215, but, yeah, I guess if I forced it down, I could. But I, I can be honest with you, it, it is a plentiful portion there. Go check them out today. Three great locations to serve you. Lake Harbor Drive there in Ridgeland, Gloucester Street in Tupelo, and right here in Stark Vegas on University Drive, Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right, so the draft is going to run July 11th through the 13th. So that'll be Sunday through Tuesday. And so it's in Denver. There's a handful of prospects have been invited up there. We don't have anybody headed to the draft itself. And uh, it is a 20-round draft, and usually it's 40 rounds. But you remember last year it was five, this year it's 20. I mean, they're, they're down, trying to downsize minor league baseball, and, and I think they're kind of rethinking some of that. We do expect next year probably you'll see more of a regular draft. But there's a lot of guys in minor league baseball that have no chance of making the big leagues, and so they kind of wanted to get those guys off the roster. They, did, they wanted to kind of flood the minor leagues with guys that were realistic prospects and had a chance to make, uh, make it to the show someday. You got a lot of career minor leaguers out there that chased it for a long time, and you know, after several years, you feel like you're not going to make it. Sometimes you, know, you need to make a call there. So the MLB has their top 250 listed. And uh, the names of interest for you is number number 32 on their list. And most people have moved him up into the teams and their mocks is Will Bednar. Right-handed pitcher, obviously um, the hero of Omaha for sure. He's going to be a first-rounder. Yes, this is a guy that got better over the course of the year. And yes, he is just a freshman. He's a COVID freshman, but he is old enough and he is draft eligible. He is going to go fairly early, and we do expect him to sign. I think he's going to get life-changing money. He's got plenty of leverage to work with because he still has you know, three years of eligibility left. And so he can kind of basically get what he wants. And I, I think that there is a good chance that he may even get some out-of-slot money there. But um, – 
You know, Bednar should be the first Bulldog taken. I don't think there's much you know, debate or question about that. And probably the only guy that goes on, uh, you know, on day one. And he actually, he's projected, uh, you know, among the top pitchers in the SEC, which that shouldn't come as a real surprise, but uh, but he is eager to see where he lands. But um, he will not be in, in Maroon and White next year. I mean, barring something just totally unforeseen. I, I think he has done everything that he needs to do. Now, number 113 on the list, and this may come as a surprise to some of you, is Christian McLeod. you got a left-hander that throws low 90s that uh, has a big league breaking ball. He's going to get drafted. Now, he's probably a day two guy and will probably have a decision to make. Now, and that's going to be, you know, it's going to depend on draft positioning, which organization takes him, that sort of stuff. I am leaning towards McLeod being gone. Now, if he drops, he may consider coming back. I think Christian McLeod's best baseball is ahead of him. And I think if he came back next year, you would see him uh, make a real jump. And people forget, this is the first time that he's gone through the SEC. First time that he's pitched in the postseason. And so there's going to be some up and down with that, too. It's like, oh, you know, just because we know his name. You know, he had the red shirt year when he was sick, and then last year he pitched. He was dominant last year in a non-conference, and then they canceled the season. So we're really seeing, you know, him kind of face some adversity for the first time. And he didn't handle it as well as Will Bednar did, okay? So that's one of the reasons he's not as high on the draft boards. But I do think that he is a guy that will be drafted high enough to go. But again, if he drops and he comes back, that's not the worst thing for Christian or for Mississippi State. I really do believe his best baseball is ahead of him. He works exceptionally hard. That's one of the things when you talk to players on the team, you know, number one, they all love him because he is such a good guy. But uh, he is a guy that, that they believe kind of sets the tone for some of the workouts with the pitchers. So he's been a real leader, not necessarily vocally, but by example. And also a great teammate. Yeah, I've never heard anybody say anything negative about the character of one Christian McLeod. The next Bulldog on the list is 136. That's Tanner Allen. You know, he's probably, you know, third, fourth, fifth round type guy, probably at best. And I think he has proven that he can play a corner outfield spot. You know, he hit double-digit home runs this year. be interesting to see how, how quickly he can adjust to the wooden bat. But the thing about Tanner Allen is, is he is a very difficult out, but he's just got some dog in him. You know, there's a lot of guys up there that are real prospecty looking. They look good in the uniform, and you think, man, this guy to be able to hit it to the moon. And then they don't. They don't perform. You know, Tanner Allen's a guy that he plays his biggest in big moments. And that's one of the things that gets you to the league. It's not necessarily your size. It's not necessarily your projection. You know, but when you're a winning baseball player and you continue to win and compete, you move up the ranks. Now, again, he is not the prototypical Major League Baseball prospect. He doesn't look like a million dollars until you turn the tape on. Until he goes up there, you know, with a couple guys on in Omaha, down two runs and hits a three-run bomb because that's what his team needed. That's who he is. And I think he has really helped himself this year. I mean, last year, you know, even, you know, when they were talking about having a bigger draft, there were a lot of people, a lot of cross-checkers that said, you know what, I I just don't think anybody takes him, even if it's a 10-round draft. It ends up being a five-round draft, but a lot of people suggested to me, you know what, he needs to go back to school and kind of prove himself as a defender in the outfield. Well, he's done that. I mean, he really has. And I think, again, I think his best, best baseball is to come. You got a guy like Tanner Allen that has played some at first. They tried him a little bit at second. He wasn't quite quick twitch enough there. He moved him to right field, and I think he could probably play left. 
But the reality of the situation is, is wherever you put him, he competes. Wherever you put him, he performs. And he has just led Mississippi State to a national championship and was one of the best players in the process doing it. And so he really helped himself this year, but I really think his play in the postseason really showed that he is that alpha dog. He is a guy that will make your clubhouse better, make your locker room better. It's a guy that's committed to winning. And he works exceptionally hard. He may not uh, fit the matrix for some other people. You know, there are a lot of teams out there that, that just have these you know, these measurables. They go by and, hey, this is what a guy's supposed to look like. You know what? And those teams are going to pass on Tanner Allen, and they're going to regret it because he's going to come back and beat them. i got a lot of people in the industry that will tell you, Steve, this guy's going to be a big leaguer. He's going to make the show. Don't know when, don't know with who, but he is going to make the show. And there are a lot of other people out there that look good in the uniform that won't. But T.A. will make the show, and I, I firmly believe that as well. And just so you guys know, he's right there in the projections with Nico Cavadas, a big first baseman from uh, from Notre Dame. And I don't know that Cavadas can really move that well, but um, they're, they're considered right there together. So uh, not a lot of guys left, I guess, you know, as far as projected to go in the earlier rounds. But, you know, with it being a 20-round draft, we're going to see – you know, a lot of guys, some names that you know are going to go. And we're going to miss them. But it's going to be just like people say, well, Steve, what are we going to do without T.A.? Well, the same thing we did without Jake Mangum. The same thing we did without Brent Rooker. The train keeps rolling, man. The final guy in the projections comes in at 247 in the MLB top 100 and 250 prospects, and that's Eric Sarantola. He's a bit of a value pick, you know, just because of the fact I think you can take him – later and that he will sign and that he will develop. And so I don't think anybody going to go out there and spend a first or second round pick on him by any stretch. And there was a lot of talk earlier in the year, you know, if he'd really put it together this year, he could have been a first rounder. This is a guy too that has major league stuff, but it's just the mental aspect of it. You just got to toughen him up a little bit. You do. And again, we just couldn't be patient with him. But don't be surprised. And that's one thing people are going to look back one day and say, I just don't understand you know, guys, pitchers are kind of a weird breed, man. And I mean that in the most nice way possible. I'm not trying to be difficult. You know, they're just some guys. It's like all of a sudden they find a pitching coach that kind of speaks their language, and it all makes sense to them. And maybe that wasn't with Scott Foxhall. That's not a criticism of Scott because, I mean, listen, Scott Foxhall might be the uh, national college baseball assistant coach of the year. If it's not him, maybe Jay Gotro. But, you know, look at what Fox's guys did. So they an NCAA record for strikeouts in a year. If that doesn't get you some votes, I don't know what will. And then your team wins an AFL championship, and then your, your, your ace pitcher is the MVP of the College World Series. I mean, yeah, that's, that's Scott Foxhall. And so, you know, but for some reason, you know, maybe Eric and Scott just didn't speak the same language. And that happens. Sometimes you need to get some fresh eyes on a guy. You know, I know when I coached high school baseball, there were just there were just some kids you couldn't reach, and you know what? I, we had a younger guy that was uh, that was on our staff, and you know, sometimes I'd just say, "Hey, coach, just go talk to him. You know, make this guy a project for yourself, and see if you can't get him turned around." Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I mean, there's some guys out there that just not aren't going to develop, and there's some guys that aren't going to work hard, they're not going to embrace it. But that's not what people say about Eric Sarantola. Everybody says how well he, how his greatest bullpens are how hard he works, how well he listens, how coachable he is. 
But for some reason, when he toes the rubber and you know the crowd is there and the Runa White chant starts going, you know, he just can't he can't find it. He can't control it. And he had some good outings as a reliever, and maybe that's what he becomes. But you know what? When you come out of the bullpen, you got to be able to throw strikes. And sometimes Eric needs almost an inning to warm up. So they'll figure it out. But trust me, there are a lot enough Major League Baseball scouts on him that he is going to be one of the first Bulldogs drafted. Because it's one of those risk-reward type deals. Yeah, it's a bit of a risk. But if you are able to sign this guy, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth rounder or even later, and then all of a sudden he becomes a big leaguer, and I certainly believe he's got the ability to do that, you're going to look back, that scout's going to look back one day and say, see, guys, we got a first-round guy for a lot cheaper than uh, we probably could have or probably should have. So there's some other guys that aren't listed. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on have our chaps, our vest, and we go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice, or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tecovis does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours too. Be sure and check them out. Tecovis believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with Smart Money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. said they're going to be drafted. Rowdy Jordan is one of them. And uh, that'll be almost like a senior sign type deal. You know, I think he has a year of leverage to work with.
So it's not going to be like a Jake Mangum thing. It's like one of the things like people say, well, you know, Jake came back and he really improved his draft stock. But, you know, when you're a senior and you have no, you know, leverage, kind of like with Chad Gerardo a couple years ago, they'll draft you early to save money. They'll draft you early and then say, okay, listen, the slot value here is, you know, $1.5 million. We'll give you $100,000. Take it or leave it. Because what are you going to do? Go back to school? You can't. Well, Rowdy has the ability to come back to school. And Rowdy kind of is what he is. You know, the thing about Rowdy is, is the things that he does well can't really be measured at a combine. You know, he's not going to run exceptionally well. He is a good runner. He's not an elite runner. He is a really good defender. He's not an elite defender. He does have some clutch about him as a hitter, you know, but he's not a guy that hits, you know, really high for average. He's not a guy that has a lot of power. And, yes, I know he had double-digit home runs this year, but it's going to be different with a wooden bat. And so, you know, and honestly, I think one of the things with Rowdy, I think once he kind of accepts the fact that he's probably a pro doubles hitter, his batting average will probably jump 50 points. But he is a guy that people are going to take because, much like Tanner Allen, even though I don't think he has the same ceiling as T.A., he's a winning baseball player. He's a winning baseball player that is good at everything. Doesn't have the elite arm, but he's got a good arm. And so, like, you run through all the attributes at Rowdy, and you say, okay, well, what's he bad at? Well, it's difficult to really put a label on any of that. You know, he doesn't always track the baseball the best, but it's a guy that gets up there and competes. He makes the most of his ability, and he's good at everything. I don't know what he's great at other than maybe stepping up, you know, in a clutch situation. And listen, I know he had some at-bats with bases loaded at Omaha and didn't come through, but, you know, he's a rally starter. He's a smart baseball player. And so he is one of those guys you look at and say, you know what, I, I can't pick the guy apart. And for some reason, he's able to go win a ball game for me. And so he's got some clutch in him, as I mentioned before, and he's got some star power. And he's a guy that wants it really bad. He really does. This is a guy that embraces the weight room and he, he wants to hit jacks. He does. And, and sometimes that's to his detriment. There's sometimes that I'll, I'll be honest with you, sometimes Rowdy has taken some selfish swings trying to do a little bit too much. And I think that'll probably kind of be the key to his development. It's just, you know, let's just go up there and be a line drive hitter. Let's just go up there and try to hit the baseball hard somewhere. So let me just take a quick look here about some other guys, too, that, that, that you might be mindful of. Cam James is one of them. There are a lot of people that are really high on Cameron James, and I am one of them. I do think that he probably needs to come back for another year, and he was electric defensively in the postseason. Outstanding. I think he has found a home at third. And here's the thing about Cam. I think Cam could play in the outfield. I think Cam could play in the infield. I think Cam is just one of those guys that's just kind of a gifted athlete. I mean, guys, I mean, think about this. Cameron James is 6'2", 192 pounds, and he let us in stolen bases this year. It's ridiculous. I mean, he is he is really a freak of an athlete. And so people are going to draft him on projectability and on long-term potential. I just don't know if it's going to be high enough for him to go. And if he gets drafted in the first three rounds, guys, he's gone. I mean, that's just – I would be shocked if he didn't sign if he's drafted that early. He goes a little bit later. I mean, if he didn't go in the top ten rounds, I don't think there's any question he's back. And that's going to be really the question, I think, with teams is signability. Because, again, he's a freshman. He still has three years of eligibility remaining. And so he made a society. People forget Brent Rooker was drafted, too, and then came back one more year and ended up being a first-rounder. 
And I think Cam James is probably in a similar situation. I think if Cam comes back next year, I think he will absolutely help his draft stock. And not to mention round out his game a little bit more. But he is one of those guys you look at because it could be a real interesting pick. Where he's picked and by who could make a big difference. Hey, if the Rockies take him, he early, probably gone. His brother's in that farm system too. The family obviously has a good relationship uh, you know, with that organization. So that would be that would be something you'd have to look at and kind of think long and hard about. I think Cam benefits by coming back. Mississippi State certainly benefits too with Cam coming back. But I think that he is a guy too that would kind of play his way into those upper rounds and still have enough leverage to get a really, really, really strong sounding bonus. Scotty DeBrule, of course, is a senior. Uh, Scotty is another one of those guys, too, you look at and say, okay, let, let's pick the game apart a little bit. You know, great glove, really good arm, not a great arm, but a second baseman's arm, and, uh, and, and showed a little bit of gusto, I guess, when making the turn at second on the double play. Accurate with his throws. I mean, you don't see him, you know, airmail to baseball. This is a very heady, smart baseball player. And he tells me if he doesn't get drafted, he's going to go play independent league baseball for at least a year and just kind of figured out from there. I don't know where he's drafted, but I think somebody will probably take a chance on him really late because I think he is one of those guys, too, you look at and say, you know what, this guy just makes us better. Not a star, but he is a guy that is comfortable in any count. He doesn't panic in two-strike counts. Guy that's got a great eye for the baseball, doesn't try to do too much. He works backside a lot, and that works. That works. Probably got to get a little bit stronger. But I could see him getting drafted late. And so clearly he's gone as a senior. But I think that's another guy, too, you look at and say he could be a value pick for somebody late in the draft. And you know what? If it, if it was a, a full draft, I have no question that he's drafted. But he's a guy, too, that's a senior, so they're probably just going to, you know, float five to $10,000 at him and say, okay, here's your signing bonus. Let's go to camp. Uh, Brandon Smith is draft eligible, but uh, Brandon will be back next year. Not in any way worried about that. I mentioned Josh Hatcher. Josh won't be drafted this year. I mean, I'll, I'll be shocked if he is. And I, I think Josh, again, find, a, a, you know, Kennesaw State or somebody like that, you know, where he has a chance to get on the field and play and, you know, get a lot of at-bats probably work himself into a good position there. Um, Riley Self is done. Riley Self will probably go into a um, – a lot of people say, well, you know, he'd get a job coaching high school tomorrow. I I think Riley will probably get a GA spot somewhere. And maybe it's with us, you know, or maybe it's somebody connected to Lamonis. Maybe Lamonis makes a call for somebody who's got a GA spot available because everybody loves Riley Self. Everybody. There is nobody affiliated with Mississippi State baseball that doesn't love Raleigh Self. Arguably the most popular guy on the team in many respects. Everybody loves the guy. And so the coaches love him. So he will get an opportunity somewhere uh, as a GA. And I'm excited for him. I think he'll be a fantastic coach and maybe comes back here one day and is uh, one of our coaches. But, um, again, I, I think Riley will have a real chance to kind of break into college coaching early in his career. Talked to him earlier this week. He was in Murfreesboro, Tennessee with his girlfriend. You know, pretty serious relationship there. And, and listen, this is a guy that's ready to begin life. All right? He's been around forever. I've been talking to Riley Self, I guess, since he was about 13 years old. It's crazy. All right. So uh, Chase Patrick is a guy, you know, I don't, I don't think Chase gets drafted. He also has a year remaining of eligibility. He is a senior on the, 
in the classroom but a junior in the field. And so you could see him come back next year. I, I don't know how much he wants to play, but you know, if you had one more year of college baseball, you have a chance to come out there and, and compete. I don't, I don't know what his uh, educational situation looks like, if he's in grad school or kind of what he wants to do, but you know he would have the option to come back. And, and again, he's a special. He's a guy that's – reliever and come out there and roll up a ground ball for you and get out get you a double play but uh, he's a guy too that probably can't get you to the order more than once but there's a role for a guy like him so you could see him come back uh logan tanner not draft eligible luke hancock is i just don't know where luke projects on the next level luke had had some issues you know last year you know with the wrist and so it really he really struggled at times to hold runners you know, this year he caught some a little bit uh, to kind of give LT a break. But, you know, I, I don't think he projects as a pro catcher. Now, he could be a guy that maybe they get out there and work with and then maybe they see something with him. He is not the prototypical first baseman. So I don't know where he projects position-wise on the next level. But Luke is just a ball player. You know, he's one of those guys, too, that at some point has played just about everything. And so I can see somebody taking him late. I just don't know if it's going to be enough to prevent him from coming back. And that'd be really big for State. You know, get a left-handed stick back in the order that, uh, you know, could probably hold down first base for you or DH. And, you know, I think he and Kellum Clark are kind of a package. You know, maybe Kellum Clark becomes a first baseman or uh, becomes a right fielder. But I think, you know, you could see a situation with Luke, maybe perhaps like you saw with T.A., where you kind of figure out where scouts like him and you let him work there. But, uh, again, I, I think Luke is probably back. I think that's probably the expectation. Landon Sims not draft eligible and uh, will be absolutely be one of your team leaders uh, next year. Carlisle Kessler is a senior. I don't, I don't see him going, but I could see him probably going independent ball. You know, he is a, uh, is a senior and um, did not make the postseason roster, and that's a difficult thing. You know, it's just one of those things. We don't have a role for you. We need to get – uh, some guys in here that we, we know that we're going to have to count on. And, and you hate it for him, but at the same time, too, you listen, that was a good transfer from Mississippi State. And I guess he had his seventh year of eligibility. I'm sure he's ready to kind of begin life, too. But if he gets an opportunity to go to camp with somebody, I'm sure he'll take that opportunity. I mean, that's everybody's dream is to play pro baseball. But uh, I don't expect him to get drafted. But uh, he does have a big-time changeup, that's for sure. Uh, let's get a little deeper here into this. Um, you know, Brad Cumbus will be back. He is a junior in the classroom, a sophomore on the field. He'll be back. I think one more year. I think I think he probably gets drafted next year in baseball. I think that is his future. I think we all see that now. And 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 I'll be honest with you, he has exceeded every expectation I've ever had for him in baseball. When they first started talking about him playing both sports, I was like, oh, come on, come on. You know, Brad got some draft interest out of high school. And let everybody know he was going to, to play to play ball at Mississippi State. We, we, I think we all thought football was his future. And now, in a couple of years into this thing, I think we all realize, you know what, this guy has the potential to be a big-time baseball player. And he's another guy, too, I think, when he gets into minors, he's going to take off. I, re- I really do. He just needs ABs, man. This guy he needs to recognize spin. And he got better over the course of the years we talked about on the show. You know, the end of the year, he was kind of rounded in the midseason form because, you know, he didn't have the benefit of fall practice, summer baseball. But Brad's best baseball is ahead of him. But he'll have one more year at Mississippi State. And I, I firmly believe next year, 2022, he's going to be drafted and he'll be gone. Preston Johnson, that's a guy that would be awfully interesting. 6'3", 245. The best thing about him, too, is 
is he has two years of leverage. Because last year's junior college season didn't count either, right? So he is a junior in the classroom, but a sophomore on the field. And so he, if he gets drafted and doesn't like his positioning, he could come back. Preston's also a guy, too, that could be a starter for us. He has been a starter his whole life and he kind of became a mid-reliever, long reliever for us because they basically told him the day that he got here, say, listen, we're locked up with McLeod, Bednar, and Sarantola, so you need to go ahead and embrace you know, a spot in the bullpen. And he did, but he could be a guy that you could put back out there. Whether Is he a Sunday guy? Is he a midweek guy? I don't know. Do you keep him where he is? You've got options. But I think that he is a guy that you know, with his size – will be attractive to scouts. I just don't know if he's drafted high enough to come out. But I think he's the guy that could benefit from another year. And again, he had that great outing in Omaha and really showed people what he was about. And while Vanderbilt's not a lead offense, they're a name that people know, and he shut them down. He absolutely did. And I, I don't know that we win if we have to throw Landon Sims in game two and have to bring him back and go three innings on uh, – on Wednesday, I mean, that's what, that's how valuable Preston Johnson was for State down the stretch. But if he was a junior on the field, I would say there's no question he's gone. But I think the fact that he is a sophomore is just something that kind of gives – maybe gives some teams some pause. What's the signability question with him? Is he willing to sign? Uh, Braylon Skinner, interestingly enough, is a senior in the classroom, sophomore on the field. He will be back. He needs a full year. He needs reps. I don't think I think he is a pro prospect, but not this year. I think he needs to show a few things. Uh, you get a little deeper in this thing. There's Houston Harding. Houston Harding is a senior in the classroom, but a junior on the field. Now his situation is completely different. If he gets drafted, he's going to go. Okay, but will he get drafted? That's the thing you got to begin to ask yourself. Now a month ago, I would say you know what, in a twenty round draft, he's not going to be drafted. But after what he's done in the postseason, there may be some people would look at him and say, you know what? Got a left-hander up here that can change speeds like him. He can tunnel that change up and fastball out of the same arm slot with the same arm speed. That's a, that's a refined skill. And maybe that's a middle relief guy on the next level. So there is going to be some intrigue about him. And I think he's a guy, too, that probably needs to embrace the weight room a little bit more and get a little bit stronger, probably get a little bit better shape, build up his stamina a little bit more. But I could see some people taking him. Now, if he gets drafted 18th, 19th round, you know, he may have said, you know what, I'm going to go back and I'll bet on myself. And, you know, next year, now that I've earned a spot on a weekend, maybe I'm a weekend guy the whole year and I can show these people that I can handle this. And so that's something to consider, too, because if you recall, he was a midweek starter for much of the year. Then he became, you know, a long reliever on the weekends and eventually the starter. And so he's just really kind of finding his role with this team that I think will allow him to kind of expand, you know, his his, pros, his status as a prospect. So, but those are the guys that I think you watch. And again, I think most of these guys will be back. And the best thing about this is when we talked about it on the show before, there is a really young nucleus of players here. You know, Cam James, that's one we're kind of holding our breath about a little bit, but we, we, we feel like he'll be back. Yeah, Cam James at third, Forsyth at short, he'll definitely be back. Got to find a second baseman. Maybe that's Davis Mesh. Maybe that's a newcomer. We'll see. You know, Luke Hancock's over there at first. Does he stay at first? Does he DH? Does he move to another spot? I expect Luke to be back. You look in left, you feel pretty good about Compass. And, you know, maybe you move Compass to right and you leave Skinner in left. And uh, Jess Davis, the transfer from UAB, plays in center. You got some other guys you are going to come in and compete too. We're going to talk about some of those guys in just a minute. But 
you know, you feel pretty good in the LT back behind the plate. You know, just begin to, begin to think about that a little bit. You had five guys that hit double-digit home runs this year, and three of those guys were going to be back. If Brad Cumbus had played the full year, he's a double-digit home run guy. If Kellen Clark had played the full year, he's a double-digit home run guy. So you could actually have as much or more power next year, even losing T.A. and Rowdy. You know, because Cumbus and Kellen Clark are really more of your traditional home run type hitters. I mean, it's your guys, too, that can take a mistake and put you on Center. So, you know, I, I think the power numbers are going to be there. We worried this year where the power from the right side was going to come. Came out okay, right? I mean, LT ends up leading the team in home runs. I don't think most people expected that. I, you know, I think we were all hoping to be a double-digit guy. You know, 10, 10 home runs or so, but, you know, what's he at, 15? Yeah, I mean, this is that's good stuff. And, you know, you got to watch him. He can't get too heavy, right? I mean, he's going to have to stay in the weight room. Got to watch his diet a little bit. Really commit himself to some healthy living and come back next year. You know, he could be an absolute dude in this league. And he already is one of the best defensive catchers in the country. And now the offensive piece is really starting to catch up, too. And he's always been a guy that's got quick hands and some power. At times this year, he struggled, you know, in the three-hole. He's not a three-hole hitter. But, you know, I start beginning to think about how this lineup shakes loose next year. You know, I kind of like him hitting fifth or sixth. And I like Luke Hancock hitting in front of him because, it may, number one, you go lefty-righty. But also, two, you know, Luke is the guy more times than not is going to get on base. The guy that's not going to strike out very often. And that means Logan Tanner is going to have a chance more times than not to hit against a pitcher in the stretch. And everybody's a different pitcher in the stretch. It's just kind of how it all breaks loose. And so that's a draft prospectus for the returning roster. And so after the top 10 list, we'll, we'll talk about the recruiting class and who are the, who are the names to watch there. And listen, there are some major names in there. If we get any of those guys to come to school, it's going to be a big deal. But there's, a, there's a, probably a quartet of guys in there that are probably goners. So we'll get to that a little bit later in the show. All right, today's top 10 list. I uh, told you guys we were going to do some country music today. We are. I don't consider this gentleman true country, though. I think he is in many ways kind of in a genre of his own. There is a little twang with everything he does, and there's some blues in what he does. It's been phenomenal. One of my favorite Southern performers, regardless of genre, that's Chris Stapleton. Before I get to Chris, I want to let you guys know this. You know, Roy tracks all the uh, the listens and the impressions and all that sort of stuff, and we, we kind of keep up with what you guys are interested in. What is crazy to me is I did a top 10 bullet from a Valentine list, and I said most of our listeners won't even know who Bullet is. Well, that Bullet is in the top 10 now, the top 10 most listened to Spotify list of the top 10 list. So many of you have reached out to me, and it's like, Steve, I love Bullet. I'm so glad you did that. Can you do this band, that band? We've added them to the list, so we'll get to it. But uh, Stapleton has been on the list a long time, and uh, I have been without my country music sponsor for a couple days, so I did the best I could. I, again, I love Chris Stapleton's music, and to be honest with you, I think his cover of Whippin' Post by the Allman Brothers is the best cover, because a lot of people have done it. I think Chris Stapleton, and you can find it live on YouTube, it is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal, as Ben Howland would say. Chris Stapleton, a guy that just is simply different. I, I just don't think, you know, calling him country, I think is... I don't mean this in a disrespectful way. I think it's almost limiting him because he is such a great guitar player. And there are a lot of guys that play country music. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to throw shade, but you know, there's a lot of guys that play country music 
that are basically rhythm guys masquerading as lead guitar players. Chris Stapleton can play, man. This guy is phenomenal. So here are my top 10 Chris Stapleton songs. Your uh, list may be different and uh, your list would be wrong. I can guarantee you this. Many of you are going to have a different number one than me. But there's a reason that this one's my number one. There's some, there's some personal attachment to this, I guess. But number 10 is uh, the song Millionaire. And this is a song that's basically about, you know, love and life and loving what you have and, you know, not out there chasing things that, that you know, that, that maybe aren't the best for you. It's like, you know what, I got, I got this and I got the love of a good woman and that makes me a millionaire. It's a great song. It kind of puts life in context a little bit for us. It's kind of it's almost like a gratitude list. It's like, wherefore I am, I shall be content. And that's kind of what I, I take from that song. Uh, number nine is one of the newer ones off the uh, the brand new album that came out. It was part of his COVID project there, but it's uh, You Should Probably Leave. A great track. And again, it's one of those things where, you know, somebody's over and you know it's probably going to lead to a mistake, and maybe you can't help yourself, so you tell them, you, know, you probably just need to go. Uh, I think the quintessential album for Stapleton is Traveler, and the title track from that album, Traveler, I, I think it's a really good one. I think, sure, everybody has heard this one. As soon as you hear those opening bars, you know exactly who you're listening to. That album, I think, start to finish, is just absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. But uh, the song Traveler, I think, really gives you a good start. Now, Probably the biggest single off the new album is uh, a track called Starting Over. It's a very relatable song. And I think it's one of those that kind of transcends genres. I think everybody can appreciate this one. No matter, no matter your musical interest, I think this is one of those songs that everybody listens to and they can kind of identify with because at some point we've all been there. Number six, one of the more bluesy songs in the catalog. I absolutely love this song. It's best played at high volume, but it's a track I was wrong. You know, I said I didn't love you and I said I wouldn't miss you, but I was wrong. I mean, it's as simple as that. It's like it's a breakup song. And you you, you know, you know how it is when you when you get in the middle of those arguments, you know, you want to say the one thing that's going to make them snap. And so the thing that hurts the most is telling them you don't love them. You know, I, I love, never loved you anyway, that sort of stuff, you know. And um, this is kind of the, the lover's lament of that is like, I, tell you, I told you all those things, but I didn't mean them. I was wrong. I, I really do love you and I miss you. And I think it, it is some of his best work. Number five, some of you would have this number one. I know, and I, I can already read the DMs right now in my mind. That I'm going to hear, I can't believe it's with number one, but it's Tennessee Whiskey. And uh, maybe maybe it's because I'm in recovery. I don't embrace that song as much as others, but uh, the writing on it is phenomenal. You know, Tennessee Whiskey, Did You Miss Me? It, you know, it's just, it's one of those things you look at this song and, you know, how many times in life have you broke up with somebody and then uh, kind of rode around trying to drink your troubles away? Number four, I love this one. I think the, the writing is very clever. It's a little more up-tempo, but it's uh, nobody to blame. And again, it's a breakup song, but um, I, I, Chris kind of has a little bit of a humorous aspect to this song. Number three is probably my first favorite Chris Stapleton song. I was in a bar one night shooting pool, and I heard this. I said, man, who is this? So, you know, I do what everybody does today. Hey, Siri, name this tune. And I downloaded it immediately, and I was like, man, this is this is something different, man. This is this is a different cat right here. The Parachute, man. Parachute is an absolutely phenomenal song. And uh, I, I think when – this is probably one that m- most people have heard because it gets a lot of radio airplay, even today. Like if you're listening to country music channels, this comes on – 
and in the rotation pretty regularly. Number two, it's really kind of a sad song, but it's uh, Broken Halos. I dig it. I really do. I think the writing is great. The vocal performance on this is great. A huge hit for him, too. Number one, though, probably not the hit that some of the other songs on here are, but I absolutely love it. And uh, I got turned on to this a long time ago and then kind of was reminded of this song probably in the last year, but it's Fire Away. Fire Away. It's kind of like, you know what, whatever you got, just go ahead and throw it my way. I've already been through everything else. You know, take your best shot because, you know, I'm not running. I'm not scared. You're not going to run me off. Just go ahead and take your best shot. And uh, I dig it. I like what it stands for. And, uh, again, I guess kind of a personal connection with that one. But those are my top ten Chris Stapleton songs. Now, that's not the only ten Chris Stapleton songs. There are a ton of great Chris Stapleton songs. And one thing that I have learned about Chris Stapleton fans, there are a lot of people, their favorite songs were not singles. I think because Chris has such an authenticity in his delivery and his songwriting, you know, you never feel like that you're getting filler on an album. I mean, it's like he is one of these artists. You can just start at track one and let the whole album play through. And you don't ever feel like that you got cheated on a song. And I think that is one of the greatest compliments that you can give a singer songwriter is that nothing ever sounds like fluff. And that's how it is with Chris Stapleton. He is one of those performers that is just so incredibly talented that every song to me sounds like it could be a single. And I hope you feel the same way. There you go, Chris Stapleton, some country for you on Friday. You know, we usually do rock, but we've done so much rock this week. I wanted to get caught up on some of this country. And, um, you know, to me, Chris Stapleton, again, the country label almost doesn't fit. I mean, yeah, it's a lot of down-home, southeast type stuff. But I just think that he is a guy that is appreciated by so many people across the music industry. It's just being one of those guys, man, that just is – he transcends the genre because he is so, so talented and he is the guy that writes and plays his own music. I think that is absolutely phenomenal. I love people that, that write their own music because nowadays it takes like 10 people to write some stupid pop song. But uh, Chris Stapleton's a guy that, that kind of does his own thing. So there you go. That's your top 10 list. If you have an idea for a top 10 list, reach out. Let me know. I'm on all forms of social media at Scout Steve R. And if you're not following me on Twitter, I got to wonder what you're doing with life. I mean, why are you even on Twitter if you're not following me? I'm the best follow on the Mississippi State beat without question. Without question. There's some other guys out there, though. They give you some silliness. I give you a little bit of silliness, but I also break a lot of news. So go check it out on Twitter, at ScoutSteveR. And again, all forms of social media. I want to say this, too, because I always feel so guilty. And this will sound like a humble brag. I don't mean it to. But... I'm at the limit on Facebook friends and I I want to I want to connect with everybody. I, I really do, but I'm one beneath the limit, but I've got a lot of requests and so I don't accept any new requests and and here's why. Because if I do, then other people can't send me a request. And there are a lot of people that follow me on Facebook for the recovery stuff and not just the Mississippi State stuff, and I don't want to be in a situation where people can't follow me. So if I don't accept your friend request, please don't take it personally. I don't mean it that way. It just thing kind of got out of control on me. And I've gone back and I've eliminated like all these recruits over the years when I first got on Facebook. You know, I've gone through this list and I have 
unfriended a bunch of people to make room for as many Mississippi State and recovery people as I can, and I'm out of room. So if you request me, you can, I mean, you can still see my wall, and you can see all the articles and the recovery stuff that I post, but I'm not going to see your wall because we're not friends. And that doesn't mean that we're not friends in real life. We're just not friends on Facebook. So I, want, I wanted to get that out there because I have people that message me and say, hey, Steve, you didn't accept my friend request. Well, that's why. It's got nothing to do with you. It doesn't mean that I don't like you. I love you, but I just can't have you as a friend on Facebook. All right. The next segment of the show is uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the class. And this segment brought to you by Campus Bookmart. Longtime sponsors of this show. I went by and saw Standing Man and uh, Miss Kathy Brown, and I gave Susie like five hugs, I think, to the point that I think that it made me uncomfortable. Uh, no, she's great. They're all really excited, man, because it's like – you know, things are rolling because everybody is so excited about Mississippi State baseball. Basically, they, what's happening at Campus Bookmark is that as soon as merchandise comes in from like the UPS or whatever, as soon as it's delivered, it's not even hitting the showroom floor sometimes because these items are already purchased. And so it's like it come, it goes to their little you know, their little staging area, and they just start grabbing stuff out of the box, checking sizes and filling bags, and then put them in the mail. I mean, it's 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 an incredible operation. And I was down there. I don't even know how they can stand. I mean, there's just, there's just so much going on down there. But, man, they're so happy. Oh, my gosh, really happy. And, and just talking to Kathy Brown, and she's like, you know, Steve, I've never seen anything like this. But everybody has been so cool. You know, she's like, people will call us and say, hey, we understand you are busy, but we need to get this, we need to get that. And then, and then it, we get it taken care of. And so uh, Stan Man tells me that just about all the online orders are rolling in with promo code BSR. And that means you guys are the ones doing the buying. And let me tell you this, you guys rock. And Stan Ray says, you know what, Steve, this is so wonderful that we're getting so many Boneyard listeners and that's because you guys are awesome. I mean, it really is. And I want to thank you guys so much for supporting all of our sponsors. But, uh, you know, the folks at Campus Bookmark, they are an institution. But listen, everybody took it on the chin last year. And for this to happen, you know, the NAFL championship, it's really given these vendors a chance to kind of recoup and uh, and kind of bounce back a little bit. It's going to be a banner year for a lot of them. And, and uh, you guys are a big reason why. So thank you guys so much. If you want to use that great promo code, which is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. Visit campusbookmart.net. When you put the code in, BSR, it comes up, Beautiful Steve Robertson. And when you think of me, think of me well. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. And listen, that could be quite substantial, depending on the size of your order. I've had some people tell me. You know what, Steve, when I put the thing in there, you know, I ordered several shirts and ordered this and ordered that. And that extra, that saving that ship and really helped me. So it is not as simple as, okay, this is going to save us a few bucks. It could save you a considerable amount of money. So all orders over 50 bucks, free shipping when you use promo code BSR. Let's talk about this recruiting class. All right. There's really about four guys that we're really worried about. Now, this is a really, really good class. And uh, again, you know, top 10 for us, you know, that's, you know, that's the thing in the neighborhood in which we live, you know, you're going to have to routinely recruit top 10 or so most years. I mean, you, you really can just take a year off. But um, so I'm going to run these things down for you. And uh, listen, Robbie and Gene kind of stay on top of the stuff. We've already got some draft analysis stuff up and, 
you know, Gene talks to cross-checkers and major, major league scouts. And so this information that he's putting out there is from reputable sources. You know, it's not just, oh, well, this is what we think. And there are a lot of people that do that opinion type stuff when it comes to the draft, and, and they're wrong. And a lot of it's because you don't always know what scouts are looking for because a lot of times they see things we don't see. You know, they, they see big leaguers all the time. Sometimes we just see really good college players, and we think, hey, well, that guy's going to make the, make the big leagues. You know, they see life a little bit differently. So there is some credibility in these reports. And so if you're a Gene's Page subscriber, they're all VIP. And if you're not a subscriber, you, you, you darn well should be. Be one of the cool kids. Join Gene's Page today. But so we got right-handed pitcher Jackson Kahn from JA. He is signed. We don't expect any issue with him. Uh, and some of these guys may be dra- like a draft and follow type thing late. There's not going to be as much of that in, in a 20-round draft. But there will be some guys taken in the later rounds that are going to be draft and follow guys. It just may be, you know, some out-of-slot money becomes available and they may be able to take them. But we do expect the, the majority of this class to come to school. But, uh, again, we'll get to those names we're a little bit worried about. Uh, right-handed pitcher Tyler Haynes out of Central High School there in Alabama. He is signed. We do expect him to come on. Uh, left-handed pitcher Cole Cheatham from Ardmore, Alabama. Another high school guy that is signed. Um, we don't expect him to get drafted high enough to really be an issue. Uh, infielder, right-handed pitcher, Hunter Hines from Madison Central. That one's going to be interesting. Um, I've heard some conflicting things. Now, his high school teammate, Braden Montgomery, is going to go. Okay. Uh, but you know, I've had some people tell me, you know, that um, you know, this Madison Central team was loaded. You know, they one of the best teams in the country. But um, – you know, Hunter Hines, some people tell me that he is a guy that they believe has long-term MLB potential. Maybe he gets drafted late. I don't think it's going to be enough for him to avoid coming to school. I've also been told that he's a guy, too, that believes that he can get here and win an NFL championship. And I think you're going to see that happen in recruiting now. There are going to be a lot of guys that maybe are on the fence about going. But so you know what? Now they've done it. We'll go see. Uh, Trey Higgins out of Oxford, Alabama. Man, what a stud he has been. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with him, too. And there's a lot of people that thought, you know, early on that he would be a no-doubt pick. That he would be a guy that would 100% uh, go. This is a guy that, you know, runs a 6.67 at 6.4210. Guy can really, really, really play. He was a football player and did a lot of things for them there at Oxford, Alabama. But, you know, he's another guy, too, you look at potentially – you know, he could be a guy that um, you know, gets drafted. Just don't know how high he goes. I mean, your perfect game's got him rated as a 9.5 out of 10. Uh, we've signed him as an outfielder. He has played some at shortstop, too. But, uh, you know, 89 with the arm there. And so, you know, really good guy there. But one of those guys, too, you look at, and it's, you look at his size and you look at his speed and you can see why some of the um, some of the schools – Excuse me, one of the summer teams may really like him. Uh, exit velo, right around 90 miles per hour. You know, so that's something that will have to improve. But uh, that just comes in time, getting bigger and faster and stronger. But, uh, you know, probably get him to school. You know, I think that's that's really big. And I think that's a guy, too, that can develop and be a really big-time player for Mississippi State uh, over the course of his career. Uh, Gray Bain, catcher out of Lewisburg High School, expected him to be okay. You know, State's done really well in DeSoto County. 
And I think, you know, those schools up there have produced a lot of baseball players, especially DeSoto Central. But um, a lot of these guys play together. They know each other. They want to continue to play beyond that. Jack Walker is a guy that was a Gatorade player of the year out of uh, Barb High School in Louisiana. I just don't – he's going to get drafted. I don't know that it's going to be high enough for him to come. I don't know if if he has the velo at this point that somebody is going to jump on him and say, you know what, we got to have him right now. I think he's a guy that probably needs a couple years. But, again, a Gatorade player of the year coming out of Louisiana. Now, we've been there before, right? We've, we've had some other guys come that have been Gatorade players of the year and hadn't panned out. But uh, you know, this is a guy that's a strike thrower, Jack Walker. Does his numbers are absolutely ridiculous. James Wood, outfender out of uh, IMG Academy. Really good chance that he's going to sign and go play pro baseball. Hey, this kid is exceptional. And one of the reasons you go to IMG Academy is to get yourself ready for pro sports. You know, that's just kind of how it is. You know, it's a little different, I guess, with football. But, um, you know, a lot of your tennis and golf and baseball type kids, they go out there to kind of prepare and have that great coaching. And I, I doubt we're going to see him in maroon and white. I think James Wood is a guy not exactly sure where he'll be drafted, but I think that that's kind of been the plan all along. I think he is definitely signable. Uh, left-handed pitcher Pico Kahn, this out of uh, Chilton County, Alabama. I'm told to expect him to come to school. But he has gotten a lot of interest from scouts. That's kind of the, the, the deal that happens, you know, when you're a left-handed pitcher. There not there aren't as many of those guys, and so when there are some, you know, they they, they get graded a little bit higher. It's because they uh, they have the skill that lefty on lefty matchup is ridiculous. But uh, I'm told to expect him to come to school. But he is a guy that will likely get drafted later. Jeffrey Yance out of Jackson Prep. Uh, yeah, listen, I think this guy is going to be, you know, a great player at Mississippi State. I think that uh, this is a guy that grew up a Bulldog, understands what it means to play at Mississippi State, where them over S. I don't think there's a draft issue here at all. I think he'll be there. I think he'll compete, too, for the second base spot next year. Not saying he wins it, but this is a guy that's very, very talented, and uh, I, I expect a really good career from him uh, before he's done. Uh, Taylor Montiel from Brentwood Academy also signed left-handed pitcher. You know, again, left-handed pitching is a skill. And, uh, again, I haven't heard enough about him to make me think that he's a real risk. But he is a guy we'll, we'll continue to monitor. Outfielder Matt Corder out of Hines also has signed. I haven't heard anything about him that makes me think that he's a risk. But, uh, you know, with states, with state losing two outfielders, you know, it makes sense that you'd have some competition there. Uh, again, that's Matt Quarter out of Hines. Uh, shortstop Jordan McCants out of Pensacola Catholic. I will be shocked if he doesn't sign a pro contract. I, I just don't think he's going to be at Mississippi State. And if he say, well, you know, his older brother did it. I just think that the, the younger brother is going to have uh, some opportunities perhaps that weren't available. You know, and if he's, oh, well, Steve, I don't understand. I've just been hearing for the better part of a month to expect him to sign a pro contract. So he is one of the four that I feel, you know, really strongly about uh, him never showing up on campus. You know, it's um, him and Wood for sure. Um, Aaron Daps, infielder from Heritage Academy. I don't expect any issue there at all. Excited to see what he brings to the table. Left-handed pitcher Maddox uh, Burns from uh, UMS Wright. This is a guy got first round written all over him. You know, he would be an absolute stud. I don't expect to see him. Now, of course, he's saying all the right things in the media, but a lot of that, too, is just to kind of build up some urgency. I mean, scouts understand it. 
but uh, he, he's, a, he's a stud for sure. Catcher, right-handed pitcher Bradley Wilson out of Lawrence, Georgia High School, is signed. Don't expect an issue there. Left-handed pitcher Andrew Walling from Eastern Oklahoma. He is the Oregon State bounce-back guy. We'll never see him. You know, there was some talk here about two months ago that he might come and then maybe play his way into a first-round uh, draft pick. I'm told that every every ball game he pitched down the stretch had about 20 scouts there. Somebody's going to take him relatively early, so I don't expect him to come. Third baseman Slade Alford from uh, Bob Jones High School over there in Alabama. We expect him to be fine. Uh, again, you know, the third baseman there. You know, and that's when you look at all these stuff. A lot of times, you go out and you recruit shortstops because they can do whatever you want them to do, right? You go get a shortstop to play shortstop or to play third to play second. You know, the shortstops are generally your better athlete on the infield. They have a lot more versatility, and so you can play them all over your infield. So you don't you don't see a lot of just true third baseman, but I think that's really what he is. Uh, first baseman Von Siebert, Perver Community College sign. We expect him to come in and compete and again. You know, with Luke Hancock and uh, you know Kellum Clark, you know what do you do there? You know maybe Siebert competes and wins that job, and then maybe you put Kellum Clark in right field and Luke Hancock DHs. But it's good to have options. Outfielder Bryce Chance, some MRAs also signed. We don't expect any issue there. And then right-handed pitcher Brooks Auger out of Heinz Community College. Uh, just haven't heard enough about that to, to think that that's going to be a real concern. So you know, Wood, McCants, uh, you know, Walling. Uh, Maddox, those listen, those, those guys, they're not going to be here. And then if you get one of the four, it's been an absolute home run. But that's just not what we're expecting. I mean, just, you know, it's just not going to happen. You know, it's just they're, these guys are just too good. Uh, you know, Maddox, Bruns, just an absolute stud, 6'2", 210. Um, you know, is a guy that can throw three to four pitches for a strike consistently. Uh, great velo. Looks like a pro prospect and just has that major league body. And so you're not going to see him. And if something should happen, you know, there's a JT Ginn situation or whatever, you know, or Will Bednar situation. Because, you know, if JT and, and Will are completely healthy out of high school, we don't see him. So, you know, you don't ever want to wish an injury on anybody. But there may be some things out there that we're unaware of that would maybe cause some of these guys to drop. But I think those four guys, again, that's uh, Wood, McCants, Walling, and uh, Maddox Bruns, I, I just don't think there's any way they come to school. I think the rest of the class will remain intact. There may be one or two that you have to sweat out a little bit, but I think winning the NAFL championship kind of helps those guys say, you know what, maybe I want to go play this college thing for a couple of years. Maybe I've got a chance to go do something really special and play myself into a better draft position and – have the experience of going to college. And there's a lot to say for that as well. I don't know that people fully appreciate how how important that is to some people. But that's kind of how I see the class shaking out. And, uh, again, Gene follows this religiously. And so he has put all these draft things together. Robbie and I, David, and I have all been kind of writing articles in anticipation of the draft. We'll have all that ready to go. And so as guys get drafted, we will update immediately. And so we'll have, you know, some – uh, you know, maybe five, six hundred word type updates just so you guys kind of know what their projection was, how things kind of worked out, what their high school stats look like or the college stats. But uh, we're ready to go. And uh, again, I think state is probably going to lose some significant players from the roster and some significant players from the class. But the good thing is, is that the rest of the class is also excellent. 
and the returning roster is also excellent. So I don't expect to be some big dip. And and here's what's going to happen. Now. I know it just assures I'm sitting here. It's just like the way some people overreacted when they saw the transfer portal news with Josh Hatcher and, uh, you know, Brandon Pimentel and those guys. Guys, they weren't playing. Okay? They weren't playing. So it's not some big shock. All right? And then so but people freak out. Well, why would they leave after we won an Apple championship? And then there's going to be some guys that get drafted, and that was their plan kind of all along. It's like, I'm going to go ahead and commit to a school, and then if I don't play my way into the earlier rounds, then I'll just go to school. But I'm really signing with a school to kind of build up some leverage, right, and to make sure I have somewhere to go if I don't get the draft position that I want. So that's going to be the Facebook topics. Oh, my gosh, our class has been gutted. Guys, we oversigned for a reason. Chris Lamonis knows exactly what he's doing. Whatever happens on draft day will not be a surprise to Chris Lamonis. All right, so just understand he has already put a plan together. We're not going to be, you know, scuffling there at the end and you know trying to go find guys to fill out the roster to go play baseball in the Southeastern Conference. We got it covered. This next segment of the show is going to be the football feature, and this is brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. Go check this out today. And here's the thing, too, you guys. Listen, Blair is a friend of mine, senior loan officer at Fairway Mortgage. That's a national company. You know, it's not just some little fly-by-night mortgage shop around. This is a, a company that is uh, very well known without the, throughout the industry, ranked in the top five among all national mortgage lenders. And that gives you a little confidence, too, right? Fairway offers all types of mortgage products from purchase transactions to refis, conventional, FHA, USDA, and VA lending products. And that's pretty cool too, right? Fairway also offers specialized renovation products on purchases and refis for that fixer-upper or a project that needs this little TLC. Fairway Mortgage is one of the most competitive companies in regards to rates and fees. That's one of the things too, you deal with some of these subprime mortgage lenders and they tackle on those fees because they can. That's not what Fairway is trying to do. They thrive on customer service and speed. Blair is licensed in Mississippi and surrounding states of Louisiana, Alabama, and Tennessee. Invest in property, second homes, and primary residences. Blair is a bulldog all the way and has been a mortgage lender for 21 years. An MSU alum, season ticket holder, and has a place here in Starkville. So here's the deal. I believe in doing business with bulldogs. You should too. Let Blair help you with all your mortgage needs. That's CloseWithBlair.com or call him directly at 601-500-2344. I spoke to him today, so another number works. 601-500-2344. Let's talk a little football. So we're going to have everybody on campus here in a couple weeks. We have, uh, we have a football camp on the 30th. And so your players, I believe, if memory serves me correct, they got to all be back by the 27th. There are some guys, obviously, that are already on the roster that maybe aren't going to that second session of summer school. And so everybody's got to be back for those first team meetings and things like that. Uh, there are some other you know, players, obviously, that are kind of getting ahead and participating in, in their workouts. But they will get a break, you know, in between the second session of summer school and then reporting for fall camp. So everybody's going to report. And so they'll be here for the camps. And then as soon as the, the final camps are over, we're going to break into – in the fall camp. Now, one of the things that we're hearing, nothing is official just yet, but we're hearing this, is that Mississippi State is going to transition back into in-person interviews for players and coaches this year. That'd be remarkable. Now, of course, there's always these new variants and that sort of stuff, which may lead to some existing protocols kind of being extended. Uh, 
and we'll deal with whatever we have to. But we're excited to have a chance to maybe get out there and go to practice a little bit. We'll see how that goes. I've been told that Leach would like for us to be able to come to practice for a little while, get some pictures and kind of have an idea of what's kind of going on. There's only you know, a limited number of periods that we can go to practice, but it's never anything that we take for granted. Anytime we can go out there and watch the team kind of compete and you know, see who's healthy and see who's you know, working this position, number changes, that kind of stuff, that stuff's important to us because I know it's important to you. But I understand Leach wants us to be able to come to some practices, not all of them, but during the camp we'd be able to get out there and observe a little bit. So we're hopeful that happens. Now, this camp is going to be much different than what we had last year. And for a lot of reasons. Number one, you remember in 2020, we had no spring football. Then we had kind of limited interaction during the summer. And everybody had their workout groups. And so you didn't have a chance to really build that esprit de corps and that chemistry a lot of bit. And then you get on, on, the, on the field and uh, you're playing catch up. Not this year. You're ready to go this year. You don't have to get try to install the offense in such a hurry. Now, maybe that worked to our advantage against LSU, <laughs> but we went out there and ran them all over the field. But, uh, you know, we didn't have a chance to put the full confidence of the offense in. And that's the thing everybody says, well, you know, it, it doesn't take long, but it takes a while to get the reps in. It takes a while to get comfortable. It takes a while to build chemistry. And so we didn't have all those reps from the spring and summer. And it's one thing, the player-led workouts and that sort of stuff. But listen, it's a lot, whole lot different deal when you got Coach Spurrier out there saying, okay, run, 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 run. And one of the things that our wide receivers do, and we touched on this a little bit last year, is uh, they never stop. You know, so you get your water break when you're at the end of the line. So after your rep, you run your route and you run back and you get in line and you get your water break while you're waiting for your next rep. So it's not like we have this deal where, okay, we're going to have a 10-minute water break that turns into, okay, five minutes into the water break. We're kind of like winding down because we know the water break is coming, and then it takes us 10 minutes to get going again. So the 10-minute water break becomes a 25-minute intrusion. So we don't do that. So the guys are out there running nonstop. And as a result, your corners got better last year, and they developed some stamina, and they were able to play more snaps and play deeper in the ball games. You go look. I don't know if you guys remember this. But Martin Emerson played more snaps than anybody on defense. The only player on the roster that played more snaps last year than Martin Emerson was Darian Parker, an offensive lineman. Wishing Darian the best with the Bears, too. He signed with them as an undrafted free agent. But my point being is that this, these practice sessions don't just benefit the receivers and the quarterbacks. You know, your defensive backs get a lot more reps to really compete and elevate and, and have an opportunity to play football. And so you saw Emmanuel Forbes last year really kind of pick it up. I saw Forbes over the weekend. Looks like he's put on about 10 pounds. And listen, he's always going to be a thinner guy. He is. But he looks a lot better this year than he did last year. And he played exceptionally well last year. And now all of a sudden he's stronger. So hopefully we'll have an even bigger year out from him. But when you begin to think about Emerson and Emmanuel Forbes both kind of trotting out there, and you got some other guys that kind of bringing up the rear there, like the Cambrian Richardson's the guy that it's the, at this point the third corner. Uh, I don't know if you heard, but Cam Threat is transferred to Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Wish Cam the best. You know, he was a little bit of a marginal take in the beginning. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I think he is a guy that could have developed, but he has decided to move on and is now at Gulf Coast. But um, I really liked his film out of high school. or I mean, really, really did. And um, there was a lot of discussion 
you know, in bowl practices that first year that, hey, this this kid's going to be a good one. And I think it's just one of those things where the coaching change and then you're kind of a, a different matrix, I guess, for, you know, for corners. You know, we're looking for the long, leaner corner. And that's just not who Cam is. I mean, he's more of a squat corner. He's a guy that uh, just doesn't have that same length. And so it's probably better for him to go somewhere and reboot. And, again, he didn't get run off. This is not an indictment on his character. It's not that he did anything wrong or nobody wanted him around. But he just probably needs to reboot his college career and and, uh, and move on. Because, I mean, right now he's running third team at Mississippi State. Well, he can go to, to Gulf Coast, get on the field, and then potentially have a chance to play somewhere else uh, in a year. So wish him the best. But you know, right now, Asias Furge is your fourth corner. And Furge is probably a guy that can get you 20, 25 snaps a game. Just can't get beat on a fade, Furge. But that's a guy, too, that you know we, we thought a lot of coming out of high school, and it's just kind of taken him a while to develop. But uh, he is a guy that can really compete. But he, just he again, doesn't have the length that, say, Martin DeCambrian – and Forbes do. That's who we're going to be looking for. That 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 is the, the the measurables you're looking for in a corner in the Zach Arnett defense. We're going to go get those guys that are long, lean, that can really run, that are difficult to throw over. You know, just think about that for a second. When you've got the wingspan of a guy like Forbes and Martin Emerson, even if you're beat by a step on the fade, you're going to be able to get the hand up and you know knock a ball loose. I mean, those are the things you look at. Whereas you know, a guy like you know, Cam three, maybe even a size Furge, they they just don't have that ability. If they get beat on a play, it's a touchdown. You know, they don't they don't necessarily have the recovery speed or the length. It's hard to throw the dadgum fade when you've got a guy out there that's you know six two six three, and uh, you know his hands hang down to his knees. I mean, you know, what, what are you going to do? It is only so high you can elevate. So that's kind of that's who Darcel McBath wants at corner. And a lot of it's kind of in his own image. I mean, he's a bigger guy himself. You know, there's a lot of people that would say Darcel in today's game might even be a safety, potentially even an outside linebacker. This is a guy that played cornerback at the highest level. And so guys tend to recruit in their own image. I mean, they really do. I would say probably the only guy that didn't was J.B. Grimes, who coached offensive line and looked like he should be the band director. Loved the guy to death, an incredible recruiter and coach. But, you know, he, he, did, he didn't have offensive line size. You know, John Havasey was a guy that recruited in his own image, and he liked those big mammoth guys. You know, Mason Miller is a guy that you know, played running back. You know, he played running back in college, so, but at the same time, too, he recruits toughness. You know, he recruits length. You know, he recruits a lot of those same attributes that uh, Mike Leach talks about a lot. And, you know, since we have been together, um, you know, this group – has gotten bigger and longer. If you look at the, the offensive linemen that they're recruiting, you know, they're recruiting, you know, to a standard. And you you look at big, you know, Albert Reese and you, you look at Carson Williams and you look at Nick Jones and, and look at what do they have what do they all have in common? It's length. And so in this offense and this air raid scheme, you better have some guys that can cover those splits. And they're not as wide as people suggested they would be. You know, in the Texas Tech days, they were. They were a lot wider. But as the game has changed a little bit, you know, those splits are a little more narrow. And listen, you know, I saw some pictures last year where they were pretty comparable to what we had when Mullen was here. And so we spread them, spread them out a little bit, probably a little more than we have in the past. But, you know, it's not like the old Space Invaders formation they had at Texas Tech. It just, it just, it, that just doesn't happen as much anymore. But these guys have got to get out there and play and have an opportunity to kind of develop. And so – 
I'm excited about camp. You should be as well. I do think Will Rogers is the quarterback. I know Jack Abraham is coming here and competing, and I think that he will make Will better. And I think it also gives State some options should anything happen. Should Will get banged up? Should Will be ineffective? You put Jack Abraham out there who has a ton of Division One starts under his belt. It's a great position to be in if you're Mississippi State. You're not having to rely on a newcomer that doesn't have uh, a lot to work with. So that's your football report. And now, you know, we're going to start trending that direction on the show. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk baseball a little bit more and as we get. We'll have the draft talk here uh, on Monday. And so, but we'll start kind of ramping up for football. But, you know, we'll talk about College World Series as much as we want to. We've earned that right. But the great thing about having that elongated baseball season is the dog days of summer just aren't going to last as long. We're not going to be sitting around wondering, man, when's college football going to be here? I think I saw earlier, what is it, eight weeks? Eight weeks from tonight that we're going to have college football to watch on, on Thursday night? Because, I mean, this is the wee hours of Friday morning. But, you know, so eight weeks from now? And so you begin to think about that. You're like, oh, well, Steve, you know, Goodness, I got to get all this housework done. Well, you need to. You need to get it done. I don't want anybody honeydewed to death during football season. You get it all done in the summer. I know it's hot. I understand it. You'll thank me later. All right, the final segment of the show, we're going to talk a little recruiting brought to you by Portico. I'm a big fan of Brooks Bryan. I saw some numbers. I think it was MSU History had up earlier on Twitter. And Brooks Bryan had like eight RBI, eight RBI in uh, – or maybe more than that. But anyway, he was among the leaders in like RBIs at Mississippi State's Omaha teams. Eight or ten RBIs. So Brooks, good for you, buddy. Brooks is the truth, man. He was. Brooks uh, is a great guy. Listen, Brooks co- still committed to Starkville. You know, he is. He wants Mississippi State to be a great place to go to school. He wants Starkville to be a great place to live. So he's part of a great residential development group that has just done wonders with this new development, Portico. Very easy to get to. You come off 82, just like you're going to campus on 12. It's the very first right. The very first right is Pat Station Road. That will turn into Garrett Road as you pass over Old West Point Road, and then boom, there's your new neighborhood. That's how close you are to campus. 1.1 miles away from campus. We're all the, the land of milk and honey, right? All things maroon and white right down the road. So if you're looking for maybe a weekend getaway place, an investment property, or perhaps a uh, second home, this is perfect. But you know what? We love our year-round residents probably the most, right? And so if you're looking to make the move to Starkville, many of you have always talked about it. So you know, one of these days, listen, now's the time, okay? It's now. It's now. It's a great time to make a move. I've already got you paired up with a mortgage lender. We'll close with Blair. Now I'm getting you paired up with a great residential development. It's right there. Then you can go You can go eat a Bulldog Burger and go to Campus Book Mart whenever you want to. Whenever you want. Come be my neighbor. If I was moving to Starkville today, I would move to Portico. Now, I'm out here in the sticks, and I'm happy here, but I will be honest with you. If I was moving now, I would be in Portico. Get your information today because you can get two-bedroom, two-bath, four-bedroom, four-bath. they got the great walking trail out there. Phase one, almost completely sold out. Phase two, in development now. Give Brooks a call today. And listen, maybe if you're not – you say, well, you know, maybe we'll be ready someday – Maybe Brooks can help you get ready. The phone number is 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Brooks Bryan, a uh, former Diamond Dog. And listen, this is a guy, too. He wants you guys to have a great experience here. Great construction, uh, great pricing, great location. You're going to be really, really glad you made that call. Again, make Portico your next move. 
So we had some commitments, as you guys are aware, and uh, people always, when we get a commitment, when's the next one? I don't think we're going to have anything happen between now and uh, camp. And, and every time I say that, somebody surprises us. But uh, there's always some guys out there we're not quite as familiar with. And, you know, we you never know when the coaches are going to push. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes they say, you know what, let's get this thing done. Let's get it done. Let's get it done. Let's get it done. And a lot of times guys just need, you know, the larging. So I just kind of get the sense, though, that with the camp coming up on the 30th, and a lot of guys, a lot of your coaches now – out of town on vacation with their families. And this is really the last downtime they get until Christmas. And so they're taking full advantage of that. You know, they just had spring practice and then you had all the June camps. And so now there's this dead period. And uh, so everybody is going to have an opportunity to kind of go to Disney World or whatever they want to do. And then everybody comes back here in about two and a half weeks. And then we'll have the, uh, the final little, you know, top dog or big dog camp. It'll always be big dog camp to me. And then we get into fall camp and then it's nose to the grindstone until we win a bowl game. And so I don't think anybody is really in recruit mode right now. Of course, they're staying in contact with their guys, but I think you could see some commitments on or around the camp. And then I think we didn't just, we kind of maintain and wait on our guys, but I don't know right now if I could call the next commitment. I do think Stone Blanton will probably do something sooner rather than later. And I've been told that before. There was some discussion. You may do it in June. Then I was told it's probably going to be July. Continuing to hear that it'll be before the season. So we'll see if that kind of holds true. Um, Bryson Hurst is another guy that we thought was really close to committing to Mississippi State last month. I understand that he and his his, uh, mother are supposed to come back and uh, spend some time on campus later this month. You know, we talked about that with Cam East here a couple weeks ago, that, you know, Cam was going to come back. With his uh, mom and grandmother, he did. And then shortly thereafter, he commits to Mississippi State. Really excited about that commitment, too. St. Aug is a great program in Metro New Orleans. If you know anything about Metro New Orleans high school football, you know St. Aug is a power. And there's a lot of schools down there that turn out a lot of prospects. But St. Aug is a team that wins football games, too. And, and they've never won a state championship, to my memory. You know, Leonard Fournette went there. But uh, this is a, a, a team that has a lot of pride and they take a lot of pride in producing prospects. And it is a must-stop school for any recruiter that is recruiting the greater New Orleans area. And so it's good for State to kind of get in there and kind of get that thing going. And the thing that I've heard all along about Cam East is when this is a guy, once he commits, he's done. That that was one of the reasons that he took the time that he did. He wanted to get it done before his senior year was over. He wanted to get out and go see some schools this summer. He's done that. And it's a similar situation, too. We really thought we were chasing Arkansas. And then they make a coaching change at LSU. They hire the offensive line coach at Arkansas. So then you think, okay, well, now this, then LSU will be all over them. Different team, different needs. Simple as that. That's what it boiled down to. That's not to say that LSU may not come back later and make things interesting for us. But uh, I really think this commitment is going to be okay. I just don't get the sense that LSU is prioritizing him. And it's not like with Malik Neighbors. You know, we – we kind of held our breath the whole time with Malik just because we kept hearing about the flirtations. Just not much of that going on with Cam Easton and LSU. So I think we're probably going to be okay there. But uh, I think it's one of those things now we kind of wait on our defensive linemen. You know, we've got a, we got some guys out there that were on pretty hard, and I think you probably see the pace pick up a little bit here here in the next three weeks as we kind of push towards fall camp and looking to get some of these guys in the boat, especially on the defensive side of the football. So 
We'll have more on that in the coming days. And uh, I'll work the phones a little bit and see if we can't get a little more up-to-date information. I've been in baseball mode uh, you know, for about a month now. So I hadn't done as much recruiting stuff. And uh, I told you guys I was going to work on the scouting reports. I just basically took a day off on Thursday. I just kind of reached a point where, uh, you know, my body was telling me, hey, listen, we served you well out there in Omaha with three and four hours sleep. But now that we're home in our own bed, we're going to need a minute. And so uh, I just kind of took the day to day. But uh, today I'll get those things up for you. And again, I'm a big fan of Cam East. I really think this is a guy that's going to be a good player for Mississippi State. So uh, and again, we'll do some more recruiting stuff next time we get together. We'll be recapping some of the draft uh, probably day one. And again, Look for Will Badnar to go day one, and then I think everybody else probably begins to trickle out there in day two. But, it, you know, listen, you're going to hear some names called. And, and listen, you know, we could selfishly say, oh, you know, well, they're seniors, they should come back. No, the non-baseball, it doesn't work that way. I mean, you lose all your leverage if you come back as you're a senior. I mean, the Jake Mangum situation was pretty unique, and so you, just, you don't expect that to happen. So that's kind of where we are. Listen, thank you guys so much for your support. Blooms Voliander's doing great. Better than I ever expected. If you're looking for Blooms of Oleander, you can get signed copies from Book Martin Cafe. And many of you have called down there. You call them, tell them how you want me to sign it. I go down there a couple days a week. I was down there today signing books for them. And uh, they'll mail them out to you. So, and there's no charge to get them signed or personalized. People ask it all the time. No, I don't. we don't charge anything extra for that. But if you don't care about them being signed, you can order from Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com or Books A Million. Or get them from your local bookstore. It's in Turnrow Books and at uh, Lemuria Books and other stores around the state. So, And if they don't have them, they can get it for you. If you're looking for the other books, and I, I signed a bunch of those today too, you can go to alphadogsthebook.com and you can get Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs personalized however you want. Just put them in the notes. And uh, there was a little bit of a delay uh, because everybody was in Omaha, right? And so... You know, the folks that were in charge kind of get them together. And I told everybody, too, when I'm in Omaha, I'm not going to be able to sign books. And so everything was kind of on hiatus. But they're rolling again now. So if you need them, reach out and let us know. That's going to do it for today. Thank you guys so much for your contributions and support uh, all these many years. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.